Hello, and welcome to She's Big Time Now, a podcast for women who are refusing to play small. My guest today, Sherry Salata. She is a showstopper. She was the former executive producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show for 26 years and co-president of Harpo Studios and The Own Network. After all of her great successes, she realized the career of her dreams wasn't leading to the life of her dreams and decided to pivot. Sherry is now an author, speaker, transformational coach, and the CEO of her own brand, where she's helping women reimagine their lives. On the show, she shares how surrendering actually led her to the dream opportunity to be a promo producer on the Oprah Winfrey show that catapulted her career. How she knew when it was time to walk away from the own network and how she uncovered her next great opportunity, and how she's redefining success on her own terms. Lots of golden nuggets. Let's get into the show. Welcome, Sherry, to the show. Sherry, first of all, you are a powerhouse woman, an icon, and you've worked with Oprah over the years. So I had to have you as the very first guest on She's Big Time Now, because girlfriend, you are big time now. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Joy. Well, listen, I wouldn't, I, I don't call myself that. I don't walk around saying I'm big time, but I, I've had some big career moments. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, when I look at you, though, and I think when a lot of people look at you, what you've done, not a lot of people have been able to achieve in their lifetime. And so I'm really excited to dig into your story, to learn more about your successes and how you did it. But one of the questions I like to start with for all my guests is, why do you think that some people make it big and others don't? Because you've been around a lot of people. You've seen a lot of things. So I really want your insight. What do you think it is? Okay. Well, first of all, here's what I've learned in my golden age of wisdom here, that defining what it means to make it big, there, there are many le layers, level, and subtlety to that. And, and making it big doesn't mean fame doesn't mean millions, doesn't mean high profile. Making it big means really fulfilling your life print, fulfilling what you came here to do. So first of all, and, and I, I didn't know that in my 20s because I'm like, I want I want to make it big. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I want a fancy business card. I want people to be like, oh, what a job that is. So I made, a, I made you know, listen, my success is built on a mountain of failure on an absolute mountain of failure. Um, but that's what I know now. What I know now is uh, making it big time. There are many definitions of that. And you know in your own heart, if you have fulfilled your destiny, if you have risen to the level of, of, of manifesting all the possibilities for your life, or you're on that path, Mm, that's good. Question only we can answer. Nobody else can tell us if we're big time. You know, that's huge. And one of the things I want to dig in on that is how do you know? You said you'll know. Is it a feeling? Is it a piece? Yeah. 
what would you say? Because I know you've gotten there because you made a lot of pivots in your life. And, you know, now you're at a place where you're living your dream life, as you call it. But how did you know? Is it a feeling? What would you how would you describe it? Well, well, a lot of people would say, you know, you know, running the world of Oprah is big time. And, um, and, and on one level, one layer, that's certainly true. But there were a lot of other things in my life that I didn't have humming. So I wouldn't call that. I wasn't big time then. Um, you know, she's big time means that she's an ease and flow and joy most of the time that she knows um, she's learning things about herself all the time, that she's healing what's kept her stuck, um, clearing out all those hanging chads, all those all those patterns and neural pathways of of survival mode, really. And and coming into alignment. So and, and you might call that peace, Joy. You know, that's huge. I love what you said about coming into alignment, because a lot of times we equate our careers or this one facet yeah. of our life. Like you said, most people would go, oh, my gosh, you were the executive producer for the Oprah Winfrey show. That is big time. But you said looking at those different facets of your life and saying, is it balanced? Is it aligned? And when did you realize that you weren't completely aligned? Well, I mean, here's what I would say. I was in the becoming, becoming big time, become, and it was all foundational and all a part of the process. Um, but I, you know, I don't think I really took that close, even though I had a front row seat to all the experts that anybody ever wanted for, you know, for, for that time. And I was a good student. I took copious notes. Um, I paid attention. You know, working at the show certainly gave me the beginnings of a whole new spiritual life. Um, But I think it was when I stepped away, when I was out of that crazy, high-flying career that I could look and say, okay, I really want to be big time. Not just have other people say it. I want to feel it in my own soul. And that's going to mean um, go, taking myself through a bit of a process, really taking a look at what I've created, really figuring out where I wanted to um, reimagine and revision my life, really understand that um, even in the middle of life, I could redesign and, and create a whole new version of what my life could be that, you know, I wasn't done. And, you know, in fact, I'm not going to be done till I take my last breath. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. I'm going to be creative and creating and innovating. I'm going to be loving and dancing and adventuring until I take my last breath. And that's the life I want to design for myself. And so now that I'm in on that path, I call it walking the path of transformation. I'm just always creating a new version of myself, a new version of my life, um, expanding. That's one of my words for 2020. Mm, That's good. Just expansion in all the ways. My heart, my spirit, um, expanding my understanding, my compassion for myself, um, expanding, learning, growing, all of it. And, and now I would say I'm, I'm living the big time life now. Finally. Oh, that's so good. Sherry, you dropped so many <laughs> golden nuggets as you were kind of going there along the way. And I want to dig in a little deep, too, and talk about what do you think was the secret 
behind your success. I know now you've had this epiphany, this understanding of being in alignment. But when you look back over the years, you did some monumental things. What do you think was the secret behind your success? Well, listen, um, I I got I, I, I started like the big job at the Oprah show at 35 years old. 35. So think about it. That's, I was 14 years out of college. I'd already had about seven or eight jobs um, and a lot of ill-fitting jobs, things that, you know, I was like, why am I doing this? Ugh. Um, but I would say this. So, so let's start. How, how did that happen for me? Number one, I never, never, ever gave up. Ooh. I never decided to settle. Huge. Huge. And, and there were some hard times, I'm telling you. It's hard when you're in your early 30s and your friends are married, having babies, going to the country club with plenty of money, and you don't know if you can pay for pay your rent. So uh, there were hard times. It was hard. It was painful. It was a lot of questioning, like, do I have the talent? I think I I think I'm talented. You know, people have told me all my life I'm talented. Why am I not blossoming, you know, with this job thing? And I think um, my um, desperation, my, um, you know, trying too hard, all those things really worked against me. Like I was a whiz in those ill-fitting jobs. They all wanted to keep me and promote me. I just didn't want to do them. Hmm. So, so you know, even though I, I, I never knew when to leave. That's always been a problem for me. I'll just, I'm so loyal. I'll just stay until, you know, the last the wheels day. fall off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Never know when to leave. Um, but the, the big thing is I just would not give up. I would not settle. I would not give up until, until I was able to get to the place where I could surrender because I didn't know what else to do but surrender. Um, Oprah tells a great story about that with the color purple and all those years she was telling it, it never occurred to me. Well, that's your story, Sherry Salata. Mm. You were, you mm-hmm. were, you were running around that track. You were working at Seven Eleven. You were working in a title company. You were working at toy stores, um, you know, trying to do your best to climb up the ladder and, and you were doing all that. And it wasn't until I Stop. I realized like it was just a slap in the face. So much rejection, so much rejection that I just opened my hands and said, all right, I don't know what this is, but I, I, I don't know what else I can do. I give. Ooh. And shortly after that, um, there was a message on my answering machine. Hey, this is so-and-so at the Oprah show. We were cleaning out an old closet. There was a new boss. I had applied years before and they had just summarily rejected me. There was a new boss in the promo department. We were cleaning out an old closet and found your resume and your reel of commercials because I was producing at that time. Uh, Will you come in and freelance for us? And I went, what? I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's like the Madonna appeared to me right in my living room. I mean, it was, it, was, it was one of those kind of miracles that knock your socks off. And all I can say is, I'm like, how did that happen? There was something in the surrender. I just surrendered. And I said, I'm going to trust the universe. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust myself. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see where this goes. 
And it was shortly after that with that when that turned around. And then I took everything I learned from all of the other jobs and I brought it into the Oprah show and it was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do the best, the very best job I can and not worry about anything else. I'm not going to worry about getting promoted. I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put my head down and I'm going to do the best possible, most creative, fabulous job I can. Sharing. First of all, we we got to unpack some stuff there. Some stuff you said there really hit me was in the surrender because yeah. so many times we're going after it. We're going after it. We're going after it. And we're trying. And I remember saying to myself one time, if you keep banging on the door and the door's not opening, maybe it's not your door. So yeah. how do you, you know, maybe you need to surrender in that process because yeah. every great opportunity I think that I've had in my life, it flowed to me. It flowed to me. Yes. Just like this. Miraculously, it just flowed to you. Oh, yeah. You know, we're always trying. We're, we're trying to make the relationship work that shouldn't be working. You know, we, we just we just won't take We won't take the beautiful. No, I ended up writing um, my memoirs called The Beautiful No and Other Trials uh, of Transcendence and Transformation. And the, the reason why The Beautiful No is the title chapter, because Right before I got that miraculous message on my answering machine, I was up for a huge job and I needed the money real bad. I was out of cash. I was a freelancing agency producer, produced television commercials. And I had an interview at a huge agency in Chicago. And, you know, the guy literally practically hired me in the room and was offering me so much money and so many benefits. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he goes, you know, I'll call you. You'd be perfect for us. I'll call you. And then didn't call. And I got the, the kind of form letter from HR. I'm sorry. We're not hiring at this time. It was, and, and, and it was painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine so painful because I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't I really do not know what's going to happen to me. And, um, Only a few years after I was at the Oprah show, maybe even like three or four, I went back and I I thought about that time, that that weird sacred window of time where I got that terrible rejection and I was flattened by it. And I was like, so that that's what pushed me into surrender because I'm like, well, now I don't know what to do. And and then that miracle happened that if that guy would have hired me at that ridiculous amount of money with all those benefits, with that security, would I have quit that a short time later to go to the Oprah show and freelance? No way. No way. And I'm like, that may be the beautiful, most beautiful no I've ever gotten. Oh my gosh. I think that's the most beautiful no I've ever gotten. And I came to see Joy Pretty much all of our nose, our beautiful nose. That's good. Girl, you know, <laughs> Sharon, you, you are dropping all kind of uh, insight. But, but here's the secret, the secret that the pro tip that I want to pass along to you and your listeners. The secret is to get to the place where you understand it's a beautiful no as soon as possible. Like have your grieving, feel your feelings. Don't repress them. You got to feel your feelings. You got to have your cry. You got to feel bad for a minute and then understand this was a beautiful no. And I can't wait to see 
how beautiful it is. That's good. And you know, when I think about that, a couple things come to mind. But one thing, too, is the fact that even in surrendering, you never gave up because you can surrender and not give up. So how did you keep yourself encouraged? Because I can imagine you're 35 at this point, like you said, you're thinking maybe my time has passed me by. I haven't got that huge break that I've been thinking. I'm gifted. I know I'm gifted. People have been telling me I'm gifted. How did you stay encouraged? Because I think that's something that people need to figure out or understand in that waiting season. Well, listen, here's what I, I, I say. There is no one formula that, that, that fits us all. But if we're doing the work, and I really wasn't. So, so this, isn't, this, this is something I understand now. If you're doing the work, the quieting your mind, the getting in touch with yourself, like really speaking to your own soul on a regular basis. If you're doing, if, if you're walking that path of transformation and you're doing your, your, your self-care practices every day, then you know which way to go. Mm-hmm. You have an instinct for that. You have an intuition because the compass is, here's, here's the direction you want to go in. When you're looking at your life compass, what feels good? What feels good? What feels good? You know, and if something doesn't feel, how many things did I do in my life that did not feel good? And I kept going and showing up and showing up and showing up. What feels good? And that's how you find your way. And, you know, I'll always bet on myself. I'll always bet on myself because I know that, I know that I'm creating this experience. And so I'll bet on myself, even though I walk through this life experience imperfectly, I always try to like, okay, I could have thought about that a little differently. I could, I need to clean up my focus about that thing. I need to make sure my practices are really solid because when they are, I'm alert and present and alive and I can see the breadcrumbs the universe is dropping for me. So you know what is interesting about that? I wonder why so many of us, we don't follow the what feels good for us. We don't. We stay in places where we feel stuck. We're scared to sometimes go after that opportunity because sometimes maybe it's that we think it won't happen for us. What do you think? Why do you think it's so challenging? Because it sounds easy. Go with what you feel, you know, what you feel. But yet many of us don't do it. But we're not trained to do that. So understand this. You're, you're, com- you're coming up, uh, you're raised by people who were not healed. You know, if you're of a certain age, the, the last two generations of people before you who are really raising you, their belief systems, their fears, their uh, limitations, um, um, you, th- that's, that's in your bones, you know, you were trained a certain way. You're not the center of attention. Who cares how you feel? You know, stop crying. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, you know, you're not the center of the universe. I mean, please, it goes on and on and on. That's how you were trained. So the fact that you, your instinct, your natural, your natural, you know, um, training doesn't lead you to stand up for yourself to you say, nope, this is enough of this. I'm going to go in the direction what feels good. Just have compassion for yourself. You weren't trained to go in the direction of what feels good. You were you were trained to be feel guilty and, and codependent, managing everybody else's feelings but your own. No, 
the, the, the training did not serve. The training did not serve. But here's the great news. The great news is that it is quickly becoming a new day. And by that, I mean that we are that that old patriarchal system that was literally strangling us into people pleasing, um, put ourselves last, lifeless, disappointed um, people um, that that is all starting to fall apart. So the work for us, especially for women who are in the middle of life or middle ish, is to begin to care for yourself. Begin. You got to get that meditation in. You got to get that yoga in. You got to get that walk around the block in. You got to start eating more plants. You got to get that water in. You've got to, you know, quiet your mind and listen to your spirit. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of yourself because in that care, you begin to, you can begin to intuit what feels good and right for you. And then you understand, oh, my happiness my happiness, my vitality, my alignment is my gift to the world. That's my gift. That's my gift to the people around me. When you're in alignment, why do you feel that's your gift to the world? Because I think, again, trained and raised, that we have to sacrifice ourselves until we're so resentful, we can barely stand to get out of bed in the morning. And, and, you know, we thought, well, only the only good work is work where you're not paid, you know, where you're just serving everybody and serving everybody. And, you know, I remember being a little kid watching my mom going, I don't want that job. She, she's never off. It, it starts when she gets up in the morning and it, it doesn't end all day long. I mean, I see my dad sitting there watching TV when he gets home from work and she's still working. So I didn't want that job, but. It is your gift to the world, your vibration, your most vibrant aligned self. That's the contribution. That's the contribution. You walk through the world that way, just like humming on all cylinders. You're the inspiration for everybody whose path you crossed. I love that. And that, you know, when I think about it, that is big time. If you're walking around like that, you know, and I want to go back to the beginning part of your story. What did you want to be when you grew up, Sherry? What was your childhood dream? Oh, my gosh, I had so many. I wanted to be a paleontologist. I wanted to be a writer, which I did end up actualizing. I wanted to be a doctor. My first year in college, I was in pre-med. Disaster. Um, I thought maybe then I'd be a lawyer. Um, I wanted, I mean, I, I definitely... I, I knew, here's what I wanted. I, wa- I wanted a sense of significance. And, um, you know, there, there, was a, there was a little, there's a, there's a dark side to that, which is, you know, learning early on that if I, if I perform at a certain level, I get more attention and more love. Then you become very performative and you start thinking that achievement is worthiness. And the two are unrelated. So then, you know, for years and years and years, I'm like, I got to achieve at the highest level, achieve at the highest level. But why isn't that filling my love cup? Because hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm at the highest level. Why am I still feeling unworthy? Why is it still difficult to tap into that feeling of love for myself? Because they're not the same thing, achievement 
and worthiness. Worthiness just is. And you practice it until you can make it real for yourself. I love that. Because as you talk about that, I'm thinking when we feel we're worthy, even what we attract into our lives, what we accept is totally different when you know that you're worthy versus you have to achieve something. Even if it's, I have to achieve this career to be, to mean something, to have value, or I have to achieve this love in my life to have value. So I think all of those are so um, eye-opening, you know, for us to think about. So when you look back and, you know, you talk about having all these dreams, how did you even get the media bug? Because I'm here, a doctor, paleontologist, writer, but how do you get there? Secretary, I was an assistant toy store manager. I was a toy store manager. I was a 7-Eleven manager in Dallas, Texas. Then I was a 7-Eleven supervisor. I had a bunch of stores. And then I quit that and moved back to Chicago. Um, and then I was a secretary again, and then I've, um, at an ad agency and, and, and I finally learned how to produce. And so uh, there, there was something glamorous. I mean, after all that, right up to my last Seven Eleven job, I, I, um, I knew I had, I had, a, a, a friend from high school who was, had been engaged to an executive producer at an ad agency and it sounded pretty sexy you know, like glamorous, like shoots in Hollywood. And, and that just, it, that just rang my bell. Like, okay, it's the person who organizes everything who like is the boss and, um, it's creative and it's super glamorous. And, you know, I'm a producer that sounded good. And so once I got in that, I began to develop as I was learning from this very, very talented man. He was so talented so talented. And he would just teach me how to look at things like, you know, how to slow down a frame, how to slow down a shot, how to bring music in, how to let, leave a quiet moment. And I just loved it so much. It was, you know, it's like, it's like painting. It's like painting producing is it's like bringing all these elements together and, and painting an experience for the, for the viewer. So I loved it so much. I'd always loved writing um, and so then I knew, okay, I'm in the pool. I mean, I don't care about hairspray, so I don't want to be spending all my time about hairspray and I don't care about that so much, but I really like this work. And that was, that was my stepping stone into television. So it's kind of experience. So the experience yeah. of being exposed to it, because sometimes we think we'll know when we're young and some people do, but I love that you said it was kind of like being exposed to something different. And yeah. realizing this excites me, I love this, and maybe this is next. I'm one of those people that I have to go through about 10 this ain't it. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was like, you know, I, uh, my cousin's daughter, Molly, who I love and adore. She's uh, in her 20s. And she always knew, fourth grade teacher, always knew. Went to college, fourth grade teacher, got out of college. She's still a fourth grade teacher, loves her fourth grade class. She's a fourth, she will always be a fourth grade teacher. And she has, she just knew she was stepping in to her life print, her destiny. Not, not me. I'd be like, let me try this. Let me try that. This ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. So you've got to know, know thyself. What kind of, are, if you're a this ain't it person, get to trying a bunch of things. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a person, if you know, if it's just mm. a block for you, then just float on down the easy river. 
uh-huh. until you find it or to that opportunity, as you said, like that big break, you get yeah. the call, like you get this big break moment, you get the call. Yeah, big break. But I'm thinking about when you got that call, because I want to go, you know, like you said, you're flowing yeah. down the river, you're trying these different things. You get the call mm-hmm. to be a freelance promo producer on the yeah. Oprah Winfrey show. Yeah. Are you freaking out at that moment? I mean, I probably, yeah. I mean, what are you, what is going through your head? And what was that first day like? <laughs> I knew that was the lottery win of my life. I knew that I was as low as I could be. And it was like, I won a billion dollars. And I knew that I would just cherish every, you know, eventually it becomes a job. You know, when when the, the glitter falls away and it's hard work, eventually it becomes a job. But those, those first bits those first many months, it was like every day I, I walked in the building. I, I knew that uh, this is this is beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, the coffee bar was fantastic. You know, I'm paid to watch TV at my desk, you know, and take notes about the show and then go to an edit room and make a commercial for the next day. Yeah, it was pretty great. It was really um, it was it, it, it was like knowing you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and loving every minute of it. And like all things, you know, eventually it's like, okay, I never lost that sense of this is I'm in the midst of a divine vortex, how that happened, how that happened for her in that city that became an international sensation that was divinely ordered and, and how those, women, millions and millions of women around the world were touched so deeply and like just, um, you know, had their perspectives changed, had, had, had a sense of hope about their lives that was divinely ordered. And I knew, I never, ever, ever, ever didn't know that, that I was in the middle of that. Wow. I can only imagine how that would feel. And to meet Oprah and to work with her for 26 oh, years. Me. I mean, what was that like? Because I mean, very few people I know probably have that one-on-one or intimate experience. But how would you describe that? It was wonderful. It was fantastic. Um, you know, Oprah is like Oprah is, like just like you think she is. And lots of fun, lots of laughs, um, you know, lots of pressure, lots of pressure. I mean, at, you know, by the time I got there, it was the number one show on the planet, practically. So lots of pressure, um, lots of pressure to outdo ourselves and to, you know, raise the bar and to do it well and to do it um, flawlessly, you know, for her and for the legacy. So um, it was great. It was great. And how did you manage that pressure? Were you nervous? I mean, I know you said you people had always, always told you you've got the it factor, basically. But when you're in that moment, are you nervous? Or oh, you- I was always nervous. I was always like thinking that I wasn't up to it, thinking that, oh, my gosh, just, there should be somebody else more talented than me. Wait a minute. I have to stop you. Sherry, are you saying even all the way through making it through the ranks up to executive producer, you were always still had that feeling. I, when I, when I, when I would be given a whole new role and, and, you know, once, once, once I start, once I moved out of promos, all that happened very, very quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was like, don't pick me as executive producer, please. What? That's a mistake. Um, yeah, I, I it, you know, it's a, it's a hard job. I had a lot of respect for it. There were there had only been three before me, 
So and it was a hard, hard, hard gig. I mean, you know, you're talking about doing 140, 50, 60 shows a year. In the early days, maybe it was like 200. Um, managing a, an enormous staff, stars flying in from all over the world, having to manage affiliates. It was a, it was a really, really challenging role. Really exciting, but, you know, really, really challenging. So, yeah, there were plenty of times where I was like, I can imagine, but to be able to do that and to succeed at it, which you did, I mean, not only do you go on from there, but you become co-president, um, come on sharing of the own network. So so I want to talk about like looking at big opportunities because that I know as you're moving up, the big opportunity of executive producer. Uh-huh. Do you think big opportunities are about timing, um, connections and networking, destiny? I know we've mentioned destiny, but every time you got the opportunity to move up. Yeah, the, the opportunities that come my way now um, it really, it really is about um, doing the work, being in surrender, watching the breadcrumbs, listening for the messages, following my intuition, leaning into putting up my life compass, what feels good, and leaning into that. And the next opportunity seems to be right there. And the next opportunities after that. And more opportunities come and more ideas come. And next thing, I'm always ready. I'm always ready because I'm doing the work. I'm always ready. I love that because what is also interesting about your story is that at 56, so you had 35, you have this big opportunity, 56, you like, you know, I've had this dream career, but have I really had this dream life? And you walked away from it all. Sherry, how did you get to that point to say, now it's time for a pivot. I'm ready to do something different in my life. It, it's, it's not such a big deal. It's, it's not any different than, than in your life or anybody's life where you're like, this is complete. It's done and I'm tired and I don't really like what I'm doing. And it's time, it's, it's time to move on. The show had been over for five years. Um, it's, um, and it's good for everybody. You know, it's just time all the way around for a new day. And, you know, that was the first time in, you know, 20 years that I'd had a chance to like really sit down with myself and say, what is it that you really want? You know, not what's good for a company or good for a network. What is it that you really want for yourself? And that began this extraordinary odyssey that I, that I continue on to this day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of entrepreneurship. It's really great to work for yourself in a lot of ways. Um, you know, everything I did leading up to that um, prepared me and laid a foundation, and I'm so grateful for it. But the appreciation I have for when you just do your own thing and make your own decisions and chart your own course, it is really, really, really exciting. And how did you find that next thing? I know you said you got quiet with yourself. I, I, I tried a lot of things. I sampled at the buffet. I tried a little this. I tried a little that. I tried a little this. I tried a little that. And finally, I was having a conversation with someone who's 30 years younger than me. And she was like, here's what I think you should do. And I was like, dismissive, like, <laughs> yeah, you little whippersnapper. Thank you for your advice. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think so. But she's hugely successful in the entrepreneurial field. And she came, kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. And I'm like, why do you care so much about my life? 
And I'm like, gosh, Jerry, why are you so resistant? Mm-hmm. What if this is the universe laying the big fat breadcrumb in front of you? So I, I took another call with her and I just shut my mouth and I said, say more. And she started speaking. <clears throat> what she was saying, she had read my memoir and I had been a guest on her podcast a couple times. And what she was saying was it was like an invitation to to rise up to the next level, to become more of me, to um, offer myself and my experience to women in the middle of life so that they could begin to tell a new story for their lives. And I listened to her and I thought, well, you're real smart. You're real smart, you little 30-year-old. I'm going to take your advice. And I literally, literally took her blueprint and launched a whole new company on that. And that's what I've been doing the last three years, having more success, more joy, having the time of my life. Well, tell us about what you're doing now a little bit more, because women, if you're listening to this, you can actually work with Sherry Salata. I mean, you can get to to meet her and to learn from her genius. So where are you now and how can women tap into you? I know you're getting ready to start a new course that people can be a part of, but how can women tap into you? Well, here, here, here's, here's the beauty and the magic. It's like really figuring out what do you want to offer and what do you want to do? And everything that I offer and do is on my website at sherrysalata.com. And you could go um, check that out at any time. But I do a 12-week program twice a year. I'm getting ready to start the next one on January 21st, which is the bomb. It really is. I literally take women through the very experience I took myself through in 2016 to redesign my life, rethink about things, like really shake things up because we get stuck. We think we're done. We think it's too late Mm -hmm. to make the rest of our dreams come true. And that's just not true. And so, um, I do that. I have a membership for women, a global home for women in the middle of life who are ready to really dial it up called the support system. Um, I love doing that. There's events and workshops and I bring in experts and it's a real, it's, it's, we call it, I have my own app. We call it scrolling with soul, you know, a way to really, really, really connect with women around the world in a deep, deep way. We would have loved to have had this technology um, back in our Oprah show days. So I'm taking what I know as a producer and how to bring people together and give them connection and possibilities and opportunities. And then this is another fun thing. This is a crazy fun thing. I started taking uh, women on trips. I've been to Italy three times, going back twice more in 2023. And I have a few spots left for that. I have a sold out safari in Africa. I'm going to in June. I'm going to do a trip to Bali. I think I'm going to go to Rwanda. And I really like taking all of us out of our environment and having these extraordinary experiences and then spending some time each day, like really stirring that dream pot. What else do you want? Mm. What else do you want to manifest? What else do you want to create? So it's just, I'm just telling you, I wake up in the morning and I am whistling. I have never been so happy. I've never felt so fulfilled. I've never felt so in my purpose. Mm. And I want other people to be able to discover that for themselves. And you know what? You are producing. You're helping people produce their dream life. (laughs) I never even thought about that because, you know, all of the skills, like you said, it was a setup and you enjoyed your journey. And then having that moment saying, 
I can be an entrepreneur. I can take everything I learned and to be at a place now where you love what you do, where your dream life and your dream career are aligned. It's amazing. It's really amazing. And it's possible. And I think, I think I had, again, you know, this is, this is old thinking from a different time. And I, I grew up in the Midwest. So I've got that lunch pail devotion to duty and money doesn't grow on trees and blah, blah, blah. All that kind of heart of America common sense, um, which, which isn't spiritually ac- or vibrationally accurate, but, and, and really has held us back. And so, you know, to think that you can't have it all. Yes. You can have things the way you want. And, and you know, for your listeners, I, I say this, out of everything I've said today, if you can make your new mantra for 2023 be, I can have my life the way I want it. I can have my life the way I want it. And really let that sink into you until you can really start to connect to that. I can have my life the way I want it. And watch what happens. Watch what opportunity, watch the phone calls, watch the chance meetings, watch the synchronicities. I can have my life the way I want it. I love it. Sherry, I have one last question for you that I ask every guest, but this has been so, I don't know how to explain it. It's just divine, I would say, because just if there's such a piece that I hear when you're talking and I can just see how you are going to help so many more women through the work you do. And so my final question for you, what is the best piece of advice that you receive from Oprah or from a guest on the show? Give me one final golden nugget that was the best for you. Listen, um, I think this is the advice that was given to Oprah that she in turn um, passes on to everybody else, which is just be yourself. You know, I, I think in, in this age and these times, we think it's better to be somebody else because we haven't fully fallen madly and deeply in love with ourselves. But it's when you are your authentic, when you can really do the work to drop into your authentic self, your vulnerable, truthful, healthy, healed, authentic self, just be yourself. That makes you dazzling and irresistible and magnetic, not only to the people and opportunities, but also to the universe. The angels are dancing on the head of pins wanting to please you. Just be yourself. Wow, be yourself. No greater advice, Sherry. I am honored, first of all, to have the opportunity to talk to you. And thank you for dropping so many good nuggets on She's Big Time Down. Thanks for having me. What was your biggest aha moment from today's show? I love to hear from you. For me, it was the importance of surrendering, yet not giving up. Don't give up, ladies. This year, we are going to make it our best year. And remember, it is never too late for you. Go to she'sbigtimenow.com to leave me your thoughts and to leave a review for the show. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes.